Because Truba's like, give me ten million. And <laughs> Chevy Chevy's like, I only have five. <laughs> and then Truba's like, okay, cool, I'll take nine. And then Chevy's like, but I just said I only have five. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Where's My Stick. I'm Christy. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Danielle. Okay, so the past week, there's kind of been a lot of news. First up, Jeff Skinner is now $72 million richer, signing an eight-year, $9 million contract with the Sabres. So, 2019, he had 40 goals and 63 points in 82 games. His career total is 442 points in 661 games. So, what are your guys' thoughts? I'm a little bit surprised that he um, decided to go for eight years. I just, I don't know. I don't see the value in staying there that long. But, um, I mean, good for them. Buffalo's great. They're an up-and-coming good team. So, hopefully he has success there. I was surprised by the $9 million. I don't know. I don't know why I thought he would get less. But when I say less, I mean like 7.5, 8, like not that much less. But I mean, good for him. Could I go? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm so relieved. Like, okay, I stumbled onto the Sabres. We all know this. I never <laughs> meant to get this deep in. And they own like more than half of my heart. But... I definitely see you guys' concerns because when I like when he first got traded there and everyone was like, you need to re-sign him, you need to re-sign him, I wouldn't have gone over $8 million a year because, I mean, I just, I like, the Sabres to me are not at the point where they can sign a player like this. And I just don't think that they're, in the next two years, they are capable of getting into the playoffs just because of this, the, um, the way the, the roster is. Um, like the players on the team and then even their prospects like they really don't have that many grade A prospects and maybe that's just I'm being naive because the only rebuild that I really watched was Hextall in Philly and like the Flyers aren't good that's a fact but they have good core pieces and they have a ton of prospects that like and younger players that are going to break out and be contributors to the team for the Sabres I really don't see that and so I was nervous about giving a player that much money. That's not Jack Eichel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I feel like you, you lock down Jack, that makes sense. But lock downing other players. But after watching the whole, like, them all season, the way that Jeff, like, I don't know, everyone was just, like, obsessed with him. Like, he's just so good. And, like, he scored 40 goals. And that was the first, this is the first year that he actually had a center that is elite. And, like, I know that he's, I forget, is he like 27, 28? He's 27, I know that yeah. He, yeah, he's 27, so that's not ideal, but you can get, like, Jeff's a goal scorer, and he has he's a really good skater, and I think those qualities translate well for the how the game is right now. The back end of that contract's not going to be good, um, but the cap is always going to, the cap keeps going up, hopefully, and as of right now, I think I, I saw something written on, like, Die by the Blade, which is like a, um, a Sabres, like, SB Nation network or something, um, they said that, that he only accounts for 7% of the cap. And when it, you look at it that way, I definitely, I mean, 40 goals, goal scores are hard to find, and the Sabres have none. So I think it's, I think they needed, I think it's a good, it's a good signing overall. I mean, it's a lot of money, but after the season that they had firing the coach, like missing the playoffs after being first in, in the league for a little bit, having that 10-game win streak, and then everything just falling apart, like, truthfully. They needed they needed to sign Jeff. And the fact that Ryan, the Ryan O'Reilly trade looks horrible. Everyone talks about it. And the fact that Ryan O'Reilly probably is going to win the Cup, it's just you you had to sign Skinner. That was, like, the only bright spot, and he did it. Um, Barrow did it, and I don't know. I, I think it's good for Buffalo. I don't know how this is going to shake out. Real, like realistically, I'm probably like, eh, but whatever, fuck it. Like, <laughs> I'm just happy they got Skinner. I just don't know how does this benefit Skinner. I mean, he's making a ton of money. This is a team that wants him, but like, he's 27. And this is an eight-year deal, and like you said, you know, it's going to take some time for the Sabers to really be playoff ready and especially ready to contend for a cup. So I just don't know quite what he's expecting to get out of it. 
Kelsey, that's like a perfect segue into <gasps> the next point, which is Skinner <laughs> wrote about why he resigned to Buffalo on the NHL.com, and it was incredibly sweet. He talks about how like going to Buffalo, he was closer. He's closer to his family because he's from Ontario, and so he was saying in Carolina, his parents and his family had to like schedule to come see him and like hang out with him and like. If they if he was gonna go see one of their games, or if they were gonna go see one of his games, they would have to make a weekend trip out of it. And they all have different lives. I think like a lot of his family are lawyers. So yeah. they all have like lives that they can't just like, all right, take it off. Like there's stuff that they have to do. And so he was saying like by playing in Buffalo, it was they could come to the game and then go home right afterwards. And he was saying that like it was only a two and a half hour drive and he just got to see his family so much more and he really liked that aspect of it. He, like, specifically called out Jack and was like, it starts with our captain, like, playing with Jack. I'll, let me just read you what he said, because I have her here. Because it's just... <laughs> he said it's... <laughs> Is it your phone background now? <laughs> no, but I cried reading it. <laughs> he says, um, it starts with our captain. I'm excited to be able to play with Jack for a long time. He's one of the top centermen in the league, which is a nice thing to have as a winger. Um, but he said, it's amazing that Jack is still so young and he's only going to get better. And that goes without saying, in my opinion. And then he goes on to talk about how young the the core uh, group of the players are and like how he just got along with everybody. And he said, when he first moved to Buffalo, he really didn't know anybody. He said he worked out with Kyle Ocposo a little bit on the summer. But after being there a year, he was just like, these guys are just like, they're it's, a, it's a great group of guys. And uh playing with them he can see the potential in the team and he wants to be a part of it so yeah he talked about his family he talked about jack and the fact that he got nine million like can we we need to all like just a round of applause for jack's agents i mean jeff's agents because he his <laughs> like they were not moving from the nine million like they were not they were like if bottle wouldn't have caved and did it they would have went to the open market like to ufa because um his his uh agents were not moving from that nine million and they got it and uh, he has locked lockout protection i think the two lockout protection years he gets his base salary is 2.5 and then his bonus is 7 million so like <laughs> jake gensler you should you should get <laughs> but, um, yeah so i mean i'm interested to see what buffalo does with the new coach the new coach seems like a really really good motivator and good with development and um he really wants to be the best and he wa he constantly talks about how um he wants to put the best quality the best quality content on the ice so i don't know maybe that's what got jeff i really don't know but what i guess i guess my opinion like what contender has nine million dollars just to give him you know yeah, yeah. I guess that when you think about it that way, I don't know. I have rose-colored glasses on. I'm like, fuck it, he signed. I don't care. <laughs> so the Jets traded Kevin Hayes' rights to the Flyers for a fifth-round pick in the 2019 draft. Kevin Hayes has previously played for the Rangers, and he was drafted by Chicago. So thoughts? Personally, I hate it, but... I mean, would they have been able to talk before the trade to be like are you even considering signing with us because otherwise that would just be wild to be like we'll just trade for his rights and hopefully like woo him into signing here like that would be crazy so from what I've gathered um this isn't like right but they they said that Philly wouldn't have traded for his rights if they didn't like talk to his agent and say is Philadelphia a place that Kevin is might be interested in coming to yeah and then um I, I'm assuming his agent was like yeah because that's why they traded for him and then because they did that they have like I think a week two weeks before anybody else that they're able to talk to Kevin about resign or signing with the Flyers I think this is like this is a good like I feel comfortable with this move like it seems it shows Chuck Fletcher taking a stance because I mean obviously they the Flyers weren't going to get Duchesne but Hayes is the the second most valuable center out there and I mean Philadelphia needs a second line center so this is like you know this is giving the Flyers a little bit of an advantage from the other teams to talk to Hayes I mean again we don't really know if he's actually going to sign there but I like that aggressiveness because it shows the fan base after Ryan after Ron Hextall really didn't make moves um, and he definitely wouldn't have given up a draft pick for it for something that wasn't for sure 
Um, knowing Ron, he probably would have put like draft protection on that fifth round pick. That's how stingy he was with the draft picks. But Chuck Fletcher doing that just shows the fan base and maybe management that like, listen, he's re- ready to wheel and deal to make this team different. I have a question. If he ends up staying, do you think that they're going to move on from Patrick or Couturier? Couturier? So is never moving. Like, he's not moving. He's their first line center. Why would they move a first line center for a guy that's... No, 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 I'm just saying, like, they're not moving Couturier because Couturier's like a lifelong flyer, pretty much. Um, But why would they move the first line center for a guy who's projected second line center? And ideally with Kevin Hayes, you keep him as a second line center, and then when like Nolan Patrick develops and you feel comfortable with him being the second line center, you just move uh, Kevin Hayes down to the third line center, or you trade him because you have him also have Morgan Frost who's a center. So I mean, there's no like Kevin Kevin Hayes. Like if they sign him, I don't know if I see him as like a core piece for the rest of like like the, for the rest of his career in Philadelphia. And you're not gonna move somebody. You're not gonna move two core pieces in Couturier and. Patrick for Kevin Hayes. That to me just doesn't make any sense. I don't even think any team would do that. So, yeah, no. I did see something. Like I was like, I heard like in Elliot's thirty-one thoughts. That's what. That's the only time I've heard Patrick's name brought up. And after listening to it, um, and sorry, Elliot Freeman's thirty-one thoughts, the podcast. Um, <laughs> Elliot was like, I don't want to, people to think it was like the written one because this is on the podcast because I had to listen to it. Um. He was saying, like, oh, after the Kevin Hayes, they were talking about the Kevin Hayes move, and then Elliot brought up to Chuck Fletcher months before. They were like, would you ever be moved? Would you ever move Patrick? And Chuck Fletcher was like, what? No. He's 20. He's a center, and he's big, strong. Like, no. He still needs to develop. I'm not going to move someone just because he hasn't worked out right now. He's 20 years old. Like, giving up on a prospect that young, you're never going to get anywhere. So. So when I like I was the first one to be like, Oh my god, they're about to move Nolan Patrick but it's only it's because Elliot Freeman brought it up himself and Chuck Fletcher never said that he was gonna do that. And then even after saying that, Elliot was like, I wouldn't be surprised if teams were interested in Nolan Patrick. But like that's like teams going up to people and be like, Hey, how much for Sid? Like I mean not <laughs> at the same not at the same level because like Nolan Patrick's not like Sidney Crosby. I don't know if people think I'm saying that. But it's just like they're not gonna move like wow yeah, people are gonna ask, but that doesn't mean that they're going to listen or even entertain it. So, yeah. And then doesn't um, Kevin Hayes, isn't he familiar with the coach? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I but don't know if that's a saying, good or a bad thing. Yeah. So. But, I mean, I don't know. Everyone, like, you hear, you listen to, like, everyone says, like, AV's such a bad coach. And, like, it's a lot of the Rangers that are like, oh, like, he's such a horrible coach. But, like, if you think back on it, like, on those, te- those AV teams, like, the Rangers weren't good. So, like, <laughs> I mean... I, I mean, yeah, and like Hayes, they said that Hayes felt better under the other coach instead of AV, but who knows? I don't really know. Like we, at the end of the day, like the Flyers made this move, but who knows if Hayes is really gonna sign here? It, it's all up to him. So, do they have the money for him? The Flyers, yeah, I think on Evolving Wild they had um, Kevin Hayes is like five years, five point five million or something like that, mm-hmm. and like the Flyers have money for that. Um, the only thing is that the Flyers have a lot of um, RFAs they need to sign, and I think they're waiting to see how much Hayes is going to cost before they re-sign them, because, like, Ivan Provorov needs a new um, contract, uh, Travis Konechny, Travis Sanheim. Like, there's a lot of RFAs that need um, new contracts. But I think they're trying to just wait for the Kevin Hayes one. But the, I believe they have, like, 12 to 15, maybe $17 million in cap space. Because after a little, like, yeah, Yuri Latera is gone, and yeah, they like a, a good amount. I can look it up actually. How much um, I remember when he was on the Rangers. I think he was asking for about six million, and I think, I think the Rangers didn't want to do that because they didn't see him as part of the future, which is really weird. Um, yeah, so I think he wanted about six million dollars. Um, yeah, that's what I remember. And it's probably even more now that it's uh, next year. 
It's probably like 6.6 or something like that. Oh, (laughs) wow, I was off. So their projected cap space is $3.3 million. Oh. Oh. So, yeah, get in That's fine. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I was like, yeah, 17 or 13. No, they have $33 million. I can see him, like, like, his personality, like, fitting in with the personality of players on the Flyers, and it makes me really upset, because it's not fair, because when he was on the Rangers, Daniel, you wouldn't even look at him, so you don't deserve <laughs> to have him on your team. Like, it's just, I cannot look at this logically. Like, you can't have him. <laughs> you cannot have him. It's not fair. It's not. Like, I cannot look at this logically. I can't. Like, I don't care how good this is for the Flyers. They cannot have him. I don't know. I'm not saying anything because that, who knows? We, we probably won't even get him. That's classic Flyers, Beth. I hope he goes literally almost anywhere else. Like, why didn't Winnipeg win this out him? They can't sign. They don't have the money. They should just trade Jacob Trouba. No. Would you rather, so you'd rather have Trouba than Hayes? Ideally, I would want to keep both, but... But what, realistically? Like, right now? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> like, I, you don't deserve him either. Yes, like, I do. Like that wants him, and we'll pay him. That's Billy. Okay, he can be... Billy him. traded for him. They were like, we want you, buddy. For a fifth-round pick, so, like, it wasn't like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you Nolan Patrick for Kevin Hayes. Like, what it wasn't first round pick. Yeah, Winnipeg traded him for a fifth round pick. <laughs> they definitely okay, was like, he's exactly. not here. We don't have the money. Exactly. Like I can see, I see Chevy like as a GM being very upfront with his players and being like, we don't have the money. Like we can't. Like, we can't he's upfront. He's a liar. Why? Oh yeah. He, why hasn't he signed Truba yet? Every year we go through this. Chevy's a liar. Because Truba's like, give me ten million, and <laughs> Chevy, Chevy's like, I only have five. <laughs> and then Truba's like, okay, cool, I'll take nine. And then Chevy's like, but I just said I only have five. <laughs> you made up that whole scenario, no. I didn't That's exactly what it is. Truba to Philly. Absolutely not. No. Nolan Patrick. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So, speaking of not being in a rush to sign anywhere, Taylor Hall, it's been reported that he feels no pressure, really, to sign a contract extension with the Devils once he's eligible on July 1st. It's just, like, a decision that's going to be ongoing. Taylor Hall is 27. He's a left wing who will become an unrestricted free agent. July 1st, 2020, but he can sign with the Devils up to eight years starting July 1st. And according to the fourth period, Taylor Hall is not really interested at this time with signing an extension with the Devils. So Ray Shiro said that he has no idea where anyone's getting any of their information from, basically, and that nothing on his end has really changed and he hasn't heard anything differently from Taylor or his agent, Darren. Um, and Darren said that I'm not going to speak to it because it's all fictitious and I'm not going to respond to any of those questions out of respect of the conversations and discussions going on. So my question to you is, do you guys think that Taylor will sign with the Devils? Well, we signed. The Hall trade was one of the first big news things that like broke when I first started getting into hockey. And I remember the Spitting Chicklets episode where everyone crucified him because, well, one, he said that he was kind of mad that Edmonton made the playoffs. And then, two, he said that he, like, after his contract's up, he will go chase a cup. When you look at the Devils, I don't think of cup contender soon, especially because they got rid of, they got, yeah, Keith Kincaid, who's, like, a, a brick wall against the Penguins and helped them get into the playoffs. But, I mean, I know that he's, like, pretty settled in the New York area. He, like, likes the feeling of not really, like, being close to the city and not being, like, recognized everywhere he goes and stuff like that. So, I don't know. The Islanders? That's a good, that's a cup contending team. As we saw. <laughs> I'm still hurt. Like, come on. Like, have, <laughs> like, have compassion, Christy. I mean, just Taylor Hall and 
Anthony Beauvillier? No thanks. Oh, Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly. They're BFFs, no? But I don't think Everly's uh, resigning with the Islanders. Okay, but do you think he would resign if he knew that Taylor Hall was coming? No. I don't think Eberly. You know what? I don't think Eberly resigns with the Islanders because, or this could have changed, but the last time I heard, his wife like did a lot of stuff in um, Canada, and she like, like taught in Canada or whatever, and like uh, Edmonton, and she couldn't get like a job visa here. Um, so like, and she really she didn't like. She kept like flying back and forth, and so I think that was like kind of tough for her. So I don't know if he's like the Eric Carlson type and will change his, like, where he goes because he wants to help, like, be make his wife happy. Okay. So, do we think that Taylor's going to resign with the Devils? Everyone I give their it, answer. I think it depends on how their season goes. Come on, you have to say yes or no. Depends That's my answer. Depends is too easy. I'm going to say no because I don't think the Devils are going to do more than what they did yeah. this season. Yeah. Kelsey? Um... I wouldn't be surprised if he did, but I don't think he's going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to round it off and be different from you guys and say no as well. Their best chance would have been, like, last playoffs yeah. and, then like, signing him, like, right after. Right that. after, yeah. But then Taylor had two years of unrestricted. I mean, two years. Like, he wants to go to the market, like, go to market yeah. I think. Where um, do you think would be the best spot for him? I really like your part when you said the Islanders. The Islanders? Yeah. I mean, I'm biased, but I'd say Pittsburgh, Philly... Buffalo. What if Kansas City goes to Winnipeg? No. You guys can't let me have this. You want everyone to go to Winnipeg. I do. Maybe Tampa. What about Chicago? Oh, ew. No, Kelsey, don't. I don't want him there. I don't want anything good for him. They don't have money. But. Maybe. Do they have money? That kind of seems like the environment he'd want. I don't know. Really? Hmm? Like Chicago, the city. Oh, okay. Um, I could. I actually see Taylor going to like a Canadian market. Really? Yeah. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. The one other thing I wanted to put uh, talk about with Taylor Hall. Did you guys see? Like, all right. So, this isn't a basketball podcast, and I actually have stopped watching basketball. (gasps) But did anyone see that tweet when he went to the the practice game? And then he tweeted that out about Taylor said, this is on the 31st, so this is a long time ago, but whatever. He says, following the NBA more closely with this Raptors run has really opened my eyes to to how great a league it is. There is a real sense of bravado and showmanship that you don't see in other sports. The stars are on display every night, and it's impressive. Then he says, no shade, just complimenting another league. They have so many advantages over other leagues, visibility through the roof. What I'm saying is, if you have to say no shade, then you know you're being shady, and we all know what you're talking about. Just say the NHL, Taylor. Just say it. We you know. know what? I actually disagree. I think you know, you say some, you can say something, and people can take it out of context real quick, and you and you can say something, and people can manipulate it to how how they're feeling and how they want you to feel. So. I don't think that he's, like, throwing shade on it because it's true. The NHL doesn't have a lot of visibility, and NBA does. And But I also feel like that's the marketing strategy of the NBA and the marketing strategy of the NHL. How much of it is the NBA and how much of it is just the players, like, being more outspoken or more um, more socially active, <laughs> I guess? But I, I also I think there's a, a huge correlation with that because the NBA doesn't silence their players. And they and they okay, let yeah. them be that vocal. They don't reprimand players who tweet about about social issues or have big, you know, brands or try to market themselves. They don't do that. Whereas like the NFL, the NFL, NHL does. Hockey culture is very like be humble, do this, do that. Very and collective. We'll, yeah, and we'll talk about that later. But it's very like your team. There's no one player. And so when players try to have a little bit of personality, automatically they're shut down. So to me, I feel like that relationship is, is stronger than I think we we realize. Mm-hmm. And you think that that's a marketing issue more than a cultural issue? <sighs> no, I think it's actually both. But I'm... It's okay. like because I mean at one point at some point it is it is marketing because at some point you're you're stifling 
your stars and you're right. you're you're not putting yourself out there more. You know what I'm saying? And if that's your marketing campaign to get more um, fans, then that's a bad one. The way hockey is played and the way basketball is played is very different. And I think football is kind of like the medium. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to like conceptualize how football players are kind of told to be in that like hive mind also, but there's still room. Well, there's still players that kind of break out of that, like Odell and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you don't really see that in hockey. And I don't know. I think it's really interesting and it's also really frustrating. I don't think like they would be as out there as NBA players. But there's still something there that the NHL isn't tapping into. And I'm just wondering what they're scared of, really. Like, you can't be yourself and you can't be a part of a team at the same time. No, that's why, like, now that, like, we're talking about this, I'm trying to think what exactly... Because, like, the players are the NHL's capital, basically, Mm -hmm. and they don't do anything with them. So, like, how does the NHL market itself at all? And I'm like, it doesn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. But then they they try to do, like, on NBC (laughs) sometimes, they try to do, like, oh, this is a player that we're keying in on and, like, they, like, time their shifts and stuff. But, like, they don't do anything really outside of that. So, like, you can, you see how they can, they realize how, like, marketing, like, individual players is important and can be beneficial, but they don't, they don't really know how to do it. And, like, I think I read once, like, when Gary Bettman, he took over the NHL. He used to be, like, Mm -hmm. in charge of basketball. And, like, when he was in charge of basketball, it was very boring, very, like, defense first and just, like, not great. But then when he went over to the NHL, I think he kind of did, like, the same thing where the NHL at that point was very much, like, goals everywhere. So, like, you could kind of market individual players. Like, Messi, it was, like, a very, like, a huge person when the Rangers won. And then now he's moved away from that. And, like, goals are going up, so I think that you can kind of market individual players even more. But I don't think Gary Bettman is the person to lead the NHL into this new era. Because once he left, like, the the NBA was like, no, this product sucks. Like, no one's going to watch it if it's boring so they kind of revamped it and I'm not saying like revamp hockey because I think hockey is a good product just market your individual players more have them do stuff drawing attention to how how well someone's doing or how many goals or come look at Connor McDavid um, or even doing like you said the NBC um, like uh, shift tracker or whatever um I feel like that's all for people who are already hockey fans. Right. So, and I think that it's a lot of, you know, the personality and a lot of the, it's just more of the personality that I think will draw in non-hockey fans. I definitely agree with both of you. And that, but my thing is like, okay, when they do like the shift tracker, like it's like they're they're doing that for fans, but like I feel like that they're doing that for newer fans. Like when I like, it's very seldom that I watch hockey that there's I have no opinion on the outcome. Like I have no way it doesn't really affect me. I'm no, more I'm normally always watching a team that I enjoy and I want to win. So when they do like Sid shift versus like Claude Giroux shift, I don't care. I don't care about how long. Claude's shifts is compared to Sid's I want to see what's going to happen like I want a team to score like I know what to look for and normally I'm like watching Mulkin's line and like who's out with him and like who, who are his wingers like what's going on <laughs> like how many like you know shots on goal they get are if they're stuck in their own their own um end and so I know like when I'm watching that like that doesn't appeal to me like them doing that could I could care less but I would love if they did, like, and I think they do some of these things in Canada, but, like, these hometown features, like, if you're going to track, say they track Jake Gensel, right? And, I mean, 40-goal score Jake Gensel, that's, like, a valid, like, say on the feature, they go, they do, like, a background, like, a hometown. They go to Minnesota. Like, say it's, like, Jake playing Minnesota. 
They go to Minnesota or wherever, and they like talk to his teachers. His mom and dad do an interview. His brother talk about his old old players I did with. I would like to see that. It doesn't have to be Jake doing it, but just seeing a little bit more of Jake or a feature on the the beauty league that he does on the summer. That would be fun because it's held in Minnesota. You could talk about other players that do that. This is like you don't. It doesn't have to be during the season because I understand. After listening to one of the Penguins podcasts where they interview not. Andy, they interview Jen. They interview Jen, and she talks about how, like, how they have so much to do and like so little time. And like, player, like, she ends up having to look at like she has a Sid calendar, a Gino calendar, a Latang calendar, and she has so many things that she's doing, and she has to be there with all the players. And I get that during the season they need to work on their game. But, like, I know there's so many players that have charities or something. Like, it doesn't have to be them dressing up in clown suits and jumping around. Like, the players always think that we want them to make fools out of themselves. And, like, yeah, we kind of do. But, like, they <laughs> have to, if you don't feel comfortable with that, you don't have to do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just there's different things that you can pinpoint and, like, focus on. Or, like, Mitch Marner. Like, he has brands out the wazoo. If people, like, if there was, like, someone who just, like, filmed a day in the life of Mitch Marner doing all his, uh, his brands, I don't know if that's legal I don't even know if like, that's, like, in their contract, but say it is. Say it's all legal and that all works. Like, why? that's something that's interesting. I'm just saying there's other way to market your players, and, and like, that, that's in a beneficial way. That's not always just them making fools out of themselves or them being uncomfortable, you know? I'm, like, picturing the different leagues in my head, like the NHL, the NFL, and the NBA. Like, I think... The NBA is, like, way left, and then the NHL is way right, and the NFL is kind of in the middle. Okay, so the playoffs are still happening um, today. I thought... Go ahead. I was just going to say that I thought the game was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was going to be a game yesterday, too. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't watch because I have work, but it's today. So I guess I'm excited in case the, in case the Blues win, but... We'll see what happens. Tarasenko is so close. Kelsey, I don't know if you saw, but his baby was born. His wife gave birth. They have another boy. So hopefully they win it for him and the baby. The Bruins are really injured. Um, Chara broke his jaw and then he played. What did you guys think about him playing in game five with a obviously broken jaw? So people were like upset about that. You were not. And I, I guess no one can reach him up there to hit him in the jaw. It's not like I have a problem with that specific injury. It's just like I just don't like the glorification of like, oh, playing through injury, like you did it. Like, is it worth it if they end up losing? Yeah. Like making your injury worse. Like, yeah, like is it worth it? Like <laughs> you get seriously injured and it's all for a few moments of glory like I especially when you've already won the cup and maybe that's that's that is one of the reasons why he's doing this is because he knows what it feels like to win and he wants to feel it again I don't know but that to me I mean I don't I wasn't mad when he did it I think the thing that made me uncomfortable is the glorification and fans like defending him and like belittling people who said they did have a problem with it I mean I I definitely agree that I feel like I have more of an issue with um like, how people respond to it and, like, glorifying it and acting like that's what you have to do. But then on the other side, I mean, I obviously don't know what goes on behind the scenes, so I don't know, like, how much pressure they're facing to play. But I just think, you know, they're adult men. Like, hopefully they can make that decision for themselves. And even if it's not the decision I would make... um, Yeah. Yeah. I also wonder if it's, like, if it was a different player... Like a Marcus Johansson or something, could he have like like the pull to be like, yeah, I'm gonna play because I can't see, I can't really see anybody in the Bruins that could tell Char no because he's yeah. been there for so yeah. long and he's such an important person. I wonder how they conceptualize that, like especially Chara being Char. He's like, I'm the captain. Like win or lose, I want to be there for them. But if it's like Marcus Johansson, who his future is unclear in um, Boston, whether he would risk re-injury or something like that. I also think, like, maybe there would be more pressure or more of an inclination not to play 
I 100% sympathize with Chara and, like, his injury, and I know that he's in pain or whatever, but, like, for the most part, I feel like you can still play hockey. With a broken jaw, yeah. Jaw. Yeah. But, like, if it was, like, you know, Eric Carlson played with his ankle, and while he still did great, you know, maybe a lesser player would have been a hindrance to his team. Right. So I feel like as long as it's not, like, a hindrance to the team, there might be more support for you toughening it out. Are we done on the playoffs? Do we have any last thoughts? Well, I mean, the Blues are probably going to win, so that sucks for me. Um, That's exactly why I said that. Because, like, I said the Blues, I said the Bruins are going to win, and then, like, now we're down one. But, um... We? We? They. (laughs) Well, I said we because, like, me and Char know, like, how to play with serious injuries, so... (laughs) Right. Well, the the game six is tonight, yeah. so we, obviously you can tell we're serious podcasters that we cared to record after. We didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think wins tonight? Let's see. That like the, the Blues can clinch and win, or the Boston can win and save off elimination. What I want <laughs> is for the Blues to win, but I do. I think it'll. I think it might go to seven. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I. I think it'll go to seven, especially with the like the way this roughing has been kind of sketchy. I feel like it's gonna go to seven. <laughs> like, can the Blues stop killing people, please? They're monsters. Oh yeah. Like they might be the dirtiest team in the league. And that's who you cheer for. It's not. It's not who I'm cheering for. King. Okay. <laughs> I am cheering for Vladimir Tarasenko, and it's like it's so close, and like I can. Taste it and like I want it so bad. Like if they don't, like if he doesn't get the cup, I'm gonna be so mad. I'm gonna be so upset. All right, so the draft. Oh wait, I didn't get to say my part. Oh sorry. Never mind, guys. I I think that the Blues win it tonight. Even though I want the Bruins to win, I think the Blues win it tonight. Okay, I hope that happens. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. Why why don't you guys want Sarasenko to be happy? He is happy. He has a son. Okay, but he could be double happy. So moving on to future possible champions, the draft. So I guess the big thing really with this upcoming draft is Hughes versus Kako. This draft is different in that it's an above average draft class and that there's so many forwards and centers and they have less Projection risks and defensemen, according yes, to so, Corey Pronman. Um, First question. So, if we had any of the top three picks, would we draft for need or best player? Best player. I think it depends. Just in the position they're in, I'd draft for need. Like, really? Yeah. Which I mean. So, would you get Kaka? Yeah. Yeah. I'd go Kako because. Like, you just put him on the first or the second line and then let it go. Like, I mean, you have an elite center with an elite winger. Boom. Like, because then Hughes would be playing the third line and, like, higher. I'm higher on Kako than Hughes. Because it's, like, right now with the Penguins, it's like, fuck it. All we want is another cup. And then it's like, whatever. I'm not really drafting for the future. I'm drafting for right now. Oh. I, I would go Hughes because I am drafting for the future. And I'm just, like, after... Malkin and Sid leave. Who do we have? Like at center. But we'll be yeah. right back here in a, in a while. Like we'll be right back here. Like I would rather be back here with the fourth cup for my um, franchise players, um, than just being back here and be like, all right, well we ne- we didn't win a cup, but we do have a we already have a another center. In my head, <laughs> we don't like the Penguins right now. They're like at we don't have uh, another cup for you guys, and we have nothing coming up. You could have another cup for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at this point, they'd have to, like, trip into a new cup. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I think you have to make smart deci- decisions, but you could. they could be right back at the Stanley Cup Finals. I, okay, but look at who we have making our Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying, like, if I was the GM. <laughs> like, if or someone I trusted was the GM. Yeah, okay. Okay. I look at the draft, and I, I mean, I'm not the draft. I look at the roster, and I think this could either go, we can squeeze one more out, or we're done. Uh, I said best player, mm-hmm. which, as you guys went on, I'm like, 
I'd be the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got a lot of great players. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. It's yeah. Just, uh, so, who was your guys' first, your favorite drafted player from your draft year? I had a lot of trouble with this. First of all, the Penguins drafted a lot, and I think we said we weren't doing Penguins. Yeah. The Penguins had a ton of draft picks. My they your draft year first. Oh, 2012. Okay. Oh. And then, um, yeah, they drafted a lot. Uh, but my favorite, I think, um, was Vasilevsky. Ooh, okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. Thomas Hurdle is a close second. Oh, I have, Thomas Hurdle. Mine is tough. I, my draft year is tough. So, so what's your draft year? 2011. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to pick Kucherov. But I had Zabinidad, Shifley, Couturier, Hamilton. Um, you like Couturier? I don't, but, like, he's good. <laughs> um, like, I had a lot of good people in there. But Kucherov, for sure. Okay. So. Second round. Oh, wait, I didn't even look at the second round. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I know my draft year. I actually did a thread of the draft year pictures because my year was so funny. Oh, it was where they, like, pop out. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so my draft year was 2010, right? And so, you know, that was the tail, like the Tyler Taylor year. Oh my but God. wait, also big surprise, Erica Branson was drafted that year. I thought it was like 32. I, I don't know who, like, they're both so relevant right now. But I, okay, I think I'm gonna go. Oh, I feel so bad, but I'm gonna go Jeff Skinner, even though Vladimir Tarasenko was on this draft. Yeah, but I think like yeah. I don't know right now because I think I'm blue. I'm going blues. I think I had to pick Jeff. So, but I had I had a lot of sweethearts, and it's so funny because the Penguins only had one person, and it was Bo Bennett, and like I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I love Bo. <laughs> I like him. I don't really like him. <laughs> The Penguins drafted with their 23rd pick in 2011, Joe Morrow. They had Puglia in my year, Mata, Matt Murray. Oh. And then I think like two others. Yeah. They did okay your year. Yeah, they did pretty good. (laughs) Speaking of the Penguins and their first round picks, do we think they're actually going to keep theirs this year? Yes. Because isn't that. Didn't um, Jr. say? Wasn't that like why he didn't make a big move at the trade deadline? Mm-hmm. He said he wanted to keep the first round. Yeah, but you can't trust him. Yeah. Yep. All right. Do we trust them with the pick? I see. I don't know. I wonder. And like, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later when we get into the pen specifically. But I think they will keep their first. Um, Jesse Marshall said that they he's most likely they're definitely like he was really confident and so I know that he like he in the last episode of his podcast was like kind of hinting at like some insider information so I don't know if he like knows something we don't but I think they will if they don't a waste a waste if they don't keep their first but like I know Jay, uh, Rutherford is like itching to trade it like he like I when he has it he just he doesn't want it and so I know he wants to trade it but I don't even know. Like it's a it's a deep draft, and people were saying that like you can get good players in the second and third round still, and it's just like wow, we don't have a second or a third. So right. if you trade our first, like if you trade our first, we don't have anything till the fourth. You're done. Like I'm pissed. No, like I'm. If you trade the first, all right, whatever. As long as we have a second, we don't have a second. We don't even have a third. No, we need to keep our first. Like we need it. Yeah, I don't. I just don't trust. Him, like, yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I, he is a monster. <laughs> so, do you guys have any prospects you're kind of looking at that are not Kapo, Kako and Hughes? Okay, so oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I have one. I have one too. Okay, you guys go because I have two. I have Col- Col- Colin Cofield. Yes! Me too! Me too. Okay, <laughs> <we all laughs> He's so small! Like, so yes! Small. That was like, 5'7 is what, like, attracted me to him. I was like, I saw 5'7 and I was like, my son? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do worry about him because he's so small, but 
like you can't ignore his gold totals. But I'm just curious how it's going to translate to the to the NHL. Yeah, and like specifically without Hughes as his center, right? The one thing with Cole Caulfield is that you know he doesn't his skating isn't really that good, and like you would think as like a young like a prospect coming up now they would focus on their skating, but I mean, and then another thing that they talked about was like the fact that they don't know how he'll produce without Jack Hughes, but I mean if he goes to a team with an elite center, um, then I don't think we have a problem with that. My only thing is that everyone keeps saying that. That he's like the Debrinkat of the of the draft, and it's like if he doesn't like Debrinkat, like people like Debrinkat is good. I'm not. I don't want people to think I'm. I'm saying he's not, but like he didn't have to go in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like so, if yeah. he falls to the second round or falls to the 21st pick, then I'm not mad about it. But another interesting prospect is Alex Turcott. He's five foot eleven, one ninety four. And so last year he had a tough season because he was injured and then he <laughs> contracted mono. Um, oh, but they say that he's a dominant center in the USHL. But um, one thing that they were saying is that they kind of want to see him. He would never be a first line center because of Hughes. So they want to see what he looks like as a as a first line center. Um, but he said he's a great skater with a clean stride. Um, he's got a fantastic first step. And actually, if someone's a good skater, they, they will be an asset in the league for a while, you know? Because it's, like, hard to work on your, your skating. So, unfortunately, they have him projected. All the projections I've seen has him at third, which kind of sucks. <laughs> because I want him to go to, like, the Flyers or the Sabres. Okay, so the next thing that we're going to really talk about is kind of the draft process and like the combine which is wild basically so like, katie strang like, this, uh, wrote this article that's right. what I'll, and so i don't know if anyone saw that tweet going around but it was about teams calling this guy a pussy, oh, pussy. yeah and i was just like jesus it's you in a room with the team execs and they just grill you basically yeah uh, and a lot of teams, Katie said that they're kind of looking more of getting into the psychological aspect of the interview and trying to get a read on the kids, kids like mentally, mm-hmm. as opposed to talking hockey, which is interesting and probably beneficial because you can watch tape on a kid all day. Like if you don't know how they're going to react to like being in the NHL mentally. In an ideal world, like you don't. This the draft is or this um, the combine is not the end all be all. Like teams have watched these kids for years, sometimes years, sometimes the past years, and their scouts that are all over the world should be interviewing these players, talking to these players post game. Oh, what type of learner is he? What kind of development plan for the player if he were like a part of that organization or whatever? But these are things that you should be watching like throughout their like junior year. So like, what type of learner is he from the beginning of the season? How has he like his puck handle or his hockey IQ how has that developed or like if the coach put him in a different situation like how has he like you know adjusted to that teams that want to decipher all this stuff like at the combine like if you really need to figure this out like you really don't know how the player is then your your um, scouts aren't that good in my opinion right because I think like you could get a lot of that information talking yeah. to like a kid's like the coach yeah right I I don't know, I kind of just see it as a way to, like, bully and intimidate kids by asking them these shitty-ass questions. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I also think that you can just ask them straight up, what, how do you best learn? Because I think at that age, you shouldn't, like, you know. Yeah. It's also, like, if you, if you're 18 or 17 years years old, and you can't articulate what type of player you are, or how you best learn and stuff like that, then I think that tells more about a player than asking them, like, calling them an inappropriate name. Right, right, right. And that. Because, like, once you, once you've asked them that, like, they're not going to be able to articulate, like, what, what they probably want to articulate, because they're so thrown off. And, like, yeah, you can kind of see how they react under pressure or whatever but like ultimately you are going to be the one that could potentially lose out on a good player because you 
ask them this weird ass question. Mm-hmm. In the article, Katie Shring says, take for example of one current NHL player who recalled his most vivid memory of the combine interview process. A wide-eyed teenager entered the room for an interview with a team, sat down, and rather than being questioned, was met with with this jaw-dropping remark instead of instead from one of the team's high-ranking executives. So I've heard you're a pussy. Caught off guard, the player didn't know how to react. Whether the tactic was to see how he'd react when challenged or to test his ability to control his emotions, the player still isn't sure. He refused to take the bait, and to his relief, the team did not ultimately draft him. She goes on to say, It's a revealing glimpse inside of a world that still values some of the hyper-masculine chest-pounding from middle-aged men looking to bully or intimidate a teenager. What really struck me from that was um, when... They, I guess the prospects said um, to his relief they didn't draft yes. him. And I guess for me, like as a viewer, whenever I'm watching the draft, I just like think like, oh, so great for all these kids. They get to like have their dreams of being drafted or whatever. And then I never really think like, well, what if, you know, these people were like jerks to them during their interview and now this player has to like go up and shake their exactly. hand. Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm like, and and one, a moment that should be like the, the one moment that they worked for their whole life is now like semi-tainted by the fact that they're being drafted to a place where they don't even feel comfortable to be around the hot management yeah. team or the the front yeah. office or you know the owner. I yeah. wonder about that because it doesn't happen a lot in the NHL. Like players like refusing to sign with the team that they're drafted with or like requesting a trade or whatever. Like I know it happens. I know it happens with the guy from the Flyers. Like I wonder about that. Like yikes. What do you do? Because you're kind of powerless. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the things that is so telling about the NHL. And I'm not saying that they need to hold every prospect's hand and make sure that the players are always comfortable. Like, they don't even try to protect their players from, like, situations like this. Like, these players, like, why is there no one in there to just, like, have that has their back? They'd be like, hey, you can't talk to him like that. Like, somebody from the the NHL PA sits Mm -hmm. in on every single interview. Why can't that happen? You know, just because to make sure that, hey, nothing inappropriate is going on. My, basically, my uh, future client is represented well and treated with respect. Yeah. I saw in some responses to that, people being like, well, you know, growing up in hockey culture, they hear that all the time. They're going to hear it from, you know, opponents. They're going to hear it from their coaches, maybe. They're going to hear it from their teammates, maybe. And I'm like, well, first of all, they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And second of all, that's much different than hearing it from, like, an executive. I absolutely agree with you on that, too. They shouldn't hear it in general. Um, and also, I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. Cause, so. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but it's a different, it's in a, in a different situation when you're on the ice, when people yeah. call you a ton of million different things to get you off your game. Then when you're walking in and be like, hi, you know, Columbus Blue Jackets, and they're like, you're a fucking <laughs> pussy. And you're just like, whoa, <laughs> like inappropriate. It's so different, like, if you're... If- I'm I'm ignoring that. I mean, it's also different. Like if you're on the ice, <laughs> like you can always go back and like retaliate. Like you yeah. know what I mean. Like you can't. Yeah. You're on do that to someone. Ground there. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. The more insight you get, and maybe that's why the NHL is so like hush hush quiet quiet. Because like the more insight you get on certain things of like the NHL and like the draft process, just any process of hockey. It's just like, whoa, this is inappropriate. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you're just like, yeah, it's all terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Turn, like, literally need to, like, tear it all the way down and build, rebuild it up. They're so pressured to fall in line all yes. the time. It's it's shocking. Yeah. So, no wonder, like, when we're just like, please have a personality, please. It's like, no, it was being out of them. Like, at a young, young, young age. So, I don't know. I actually really don't like Tycho. <laughs> It's mostly because Gautier. Oh, like what if they trade him? He was also in my job. Yeah, what if they trade him? Like I would want the Pens to try to get him. I thought they were in on him the first time when he was coming from the Habs. Were they? I don't remember. I thought they were. Like, what would you give up for Gautier? Simone. (laughs) (laughs) Kelsey. I know, no, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I genuinely like them. But this is going to get me, like, a lot of heat, I feel like. But I'd trade Schultz. <gasps> How? <laughs> like, okay. 
Uh, the reason that's my happiness. You would trade my happiness away oh, from me. So it's Armada. It would kill me. No. <laughs> it would, I, that's why I didn't say Armada <laughs> because I knew he'd kill me. But I because I think of it this way. Like, is he going to resign with us? Do we really think that Schultz is going to resign with us? I feel like he's going to get more out on the open market when he reaches on un, um, unrestricted free agency. And I think I mean I think he'll at least get seven. And, like, we can't afford to pay Schultz seven and then have Crystal Tang at seven. And, like, Schultz is not as good as Crystal Tang. I just don't think the Pens are going to re-sign him. And, like, where the Penguins are right now, they can't afford to just let guys go for nothing. Like, Haglin, in my opinion, was a guy they traded and got nothing back for him. You need to get someone back that is going to help the team. If Like, I just don't think that Justin's going to re-sign with us. I think he would. But, like, and you think he'd t- continuously take a discount? Because I think for sure on the open market, Justin would get $7 million. And he's making 5.5 right now? And, like, we can't, we can't pay another defenseman $7 million. Just say you hate me. <laughs> no. Like, I feel I'm so sorry. Like, I don't, like, I don't want you guys to, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be realistic. And, like, no, if I Schultz know, know. goes, like, I will be I will be screaming. And people will be like, how dare you? Like, you said you trade him. And it's like, I know, but I didn't, I don't want to. Yeah. The, okay, so we were, I was saying, I asked. Like, who would she trade to get Alex Galchenyuk? And I said Justin Schultz. And she said <gasps> Dominic Simone. <laughs> okay, I would do that. I would do Dominic Simone for Alex Galchenyuk every day. Yeah, but that's not realistic. I mean, unless Chaika is, like, would do it. I mean, he has good analytics. He's good analytics. <laughs> he does. He does. That's true. Do you guys think they're going to trade old Limata? I think so. I don't trust them, but... I don't know what they're gonna do. I have no idea. Like I, and I don't even know. Like it's so weird because with the Flyers and the um, the Sabers, like I know what I want them to do, and I know what needs to be done. But with the Penguins, I don't even know where to start. Like I think it's because we have Sid walking on our team. That's why it's such like a big question. Because it's just, like, do you try to trade for um? Like more players so that they can make another run because they're never going to be truly, truly horrific with those two on the team. Or do you like kind of try to build for the future, like kind of what the Flyers did? But to me, it's just useless to build for the future right now. I feel like they still have a a run in them, like a deep Mm -hmm. run in them. And now is not the time to be like, all right, well, let's just build for the future because you're wasting that. And so I don't think you build for the future until they're, like, Malkin and Sid are your third and fourth line centers. In my opinion, if Rutherford really cared, you would try to stock this this team with another good winger for Malkin. So then you have Jake with Sid and Malkin and his winger, and then you try to fix your defense and try to get something out of the third line. If you have a dominant first line and a dominant second line, you can get yourself into the playoffs. Like yeah. and then if you're if you have a line that really steps up, you can you can win around. And then once you run around, who can, who knows what happens? I know we like said this like literally at nauseum, but Jack Johnson was such an anchor. Like before the season started, I was like, our defense is serviceable. Like if we have Chris and Dumo, which is our top pair, that's great. Like whatever. Then you have Ole and Schultz, and then. I can't even remember who was on the bottom pair, but, like, Regal was doing well, and then Pedersen is, like, he was doing well. Like, those six guys, like, I, like, in my mind, that's not a bad defense core or whatever, but then you have to drag the anchor that is Johnson, and, like, whoever he was paired with was not good, and then adding on top of that the fact that Ole didn't have, like, a great season, like, just isn't great. The defense, yeah, the defense fell apart, and the fact that Schultz got hurt like three games into the season, right. and he was out, and like, and like, I I know that you can't like the thing that it kills me because like Ricola was up for so long, and like now he's signed and he's signed he's resigned and he's resigned in the AHL, and like I've seen people who like followed the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, and like they were saying like he really didn't adjust well to, you know, the the play style. And it's like, he was sitting, he was scratched for the Penguins for months. For right. months. 
why was he not like why when they realized that he wasn't really going to be playing why didn't he stay why didn't he get dro- uh, sent down to Wilkesbury? Why is that like not something that happened? Because say if you get if you had uh, Ricola here, like in the AHL all season, and he worked through it and like worked to get better, then he could be like seventh defenseman right now, like for next year. And like you didn't need, you wouldn't need a Gabranson and you wouldn't need a Jack Johnson. And like when we started the season last year, ideally we thought only Mata Schultz would work well together. And like both of them had their struggles, Schultz getting hurt and then only just struggling and like losing the confidence in the coaching staff, which is like crazy. I can't believe that that happened. But like even if your your second pairing was like Pedersen and Ricola, or no no Pedersen and Ruedel. Because Ricola would be down there. That's a that's a good third pair, and that's a good top pair with Dumo. And then all you need to do is find a good pairing for Schultz and Mata. And Schultz was like out almost the whole season, so like you could have put him on like LTIR and like traded for a defenseman. Yeah. And like when I say traded for defenseman, I don't mean Jack Johnson or uh, Erica Branson. My only thing is I don't necessarily know that Olimata could be traded for anything better than Olimata. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe it's just one of those trades where, like, he, he just needs a change, it's not working out here, maybe another player needs a change of scenery, and it can work out well for both parties, but I don't know. Trading Olimata might be the best thing the, the best thing to do, but it just makes me mad, because it's like, why is it that every everyone that we, um, we draft and we develop in-house not like having them go to college don't really like pan out that well because I know everyone's gonna be like well Connor Sheary and Brian Russ and Jake Gensel and Brian Dumoulin but they all played in college too you know okay to wrap it up the Penguins social media team they sent out a social media questionnaire basically asking like what what fans kind of want to see more of and what they want to see less of. They also ask, like, different questions, like, how did you get into the Penguins or how much of a fan do you consider yourself of the Penguins to be? Um, Which is really interesting because I haven't seen other teams do that. And how do we feel, really, about the Penguins media consulting fans? So, I think that's, like, I think the media, like, the Penn's media consulting, like, with the fans, I think that's, like, great. I was, like, shocked that they, like, even asked these questions, because historically the Penguins could care less. And, like, we talked about this before, but I feel like a lot of media is geared towards fans that are from Pittsburgh. But I like that they were, like, asking us how we became fans, because, like, I'm not from Pittsburgh. And, like, honestly, my whole family was shocked when I started liking the Penguins. And I like that they asked for our opinions. The biggest thing is that, like, I don't know if they'll even implement implement any of the changes or the like suggestions we they asked us for. So I don't know. I'm having a hard time actually suggesting things. I was like, what do I actually want to see? <laughs> I just wish it looked like it wasn't such a chore for them to actually do it. I feel like if you do stuff that they think is fun, they'll be more likely to like doing it. Like have Dumo cook again. Do you remember? Yes. That? Uh, like he was like I love cooking and Dumo's like Dumo loves wine. Have Dumo do like a wine pairing. Yeah. Like pair wine uh, with food. That's a good idea. You should have put that down. Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't I think of it then. I was under so much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Kelsey, so what about you? Hard. Like I mean, I know that your opinion's probably different because you live in Pittsburgh. So you probably see the marketing of the penguins all the time. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And I'm not saying this to like pump up the penguins or anything but they do a lot in the community that like isn't really advertised or covered even by like pens tv so i consider putting like more community outreach like trying to you know make hockey more accessible to everyone in the in the area um and like even stuff like that i just i don't know i struggled yeah i ended up putting just you know like more um you know, maybe, like, themed mm-hmm. nights, but not, like, the dumb, like, decades nights. I hate the yeah. decade nights. Did you so I was thinking, like... For that question, because I struggled. I said I would like to see more, like, diversity nights to just, like, bring in or, like, to showcase a lot of their different, um, their, the diversity of their fans, or, like, maybe they can have, like, do something better for their LGBTQ night. Um, just this, like, 
to reach out to fans who, you know, don't really care about 90s night or don't really care about 80s night. Like, they did every single decade. I'm also of the mind of, like, if you're going to do, like, a 70s, 80s, or a 90s night, do more than just, like... <laughs> like, like, Phil with a wig on, he's like, hey, yeah, come, yeah, come here, like, 90s What does 70s, 80s, and 90s night even, like, mean? The Flyers you know? did this one thing that I'd love the Penguins to do, and I wish I would have wrote this down. So, like, the Flyers, like, in-host like media girl she went to like all of the goodwills and like um like tried to get like 90s theme nights so they had like um those like fight the fight things and she had like 90s t-shirts and like memorabilias and like boom boxes and stuff like that and like the player she like went and gave it to the player and she was like did you ever play this or like how'd you do this and the players like talked about like oh my god I used to play this all the time they're like where'd you get this like I think I have this in my mom's garage and like all this stuff and the players really liked it because like anytime you talk to somebody about their childhood they're gonna be like oh my gosh I remember this and so you got to see the players like real in a like real like first they were kind of uptight but then they got like into it because first of all Andrea's really good at her job and she like makes them really comfortable but they also just seem fun because they saw something they remember from their childhood so like, they don't I mean I don't know if they do that in game or, like, because... how do BuzzFeed quizzes? Like, you know, oh somebody goes, God, like, yes. which, which member of Friends are you? <laughs> yes. Have them do that, because I always do that. I always do those quizzes. Or, like, which member from the Metro? Like, even the hockey ones, you could have them be, like, which member of the Metro are you? Or something yeah. like that. And they're, like, I'm from the West. <laughs> I'm the awesome division. I know. They're, like, what? Like, what was it? like, which Hogwarts house are you? Yes. Uh, like, just fun stuff. Like, just fun dumb stuff like that like yeah. at my job there was like this thing of like disney night where you come in you drink and then you listen to a bunch of old disney songs like from like the movies so it'd be like a whole new world and like all those stuff like that it's like do you have a disney night <laughs> yeah that would be fun and that would be like kid friendly and then like you can ask the players like what they play a song and like what Disney movie is this from? What did you guys say for like what would you want to see less of? Cause I don't really know what to say. I like couldn't figure out a way to say anything without it sounding mean. And like I do think that the Pens media is you know in general pretty good, middle of the road, like mm-hmm. average. So I didn't want to be like, nah, nah, nah. Especially because I'm surprised they don't have me blocked. <laughs> me too. I can't <laughs> even. I'm I'm so surprised they don't have me blocked. Yeah. How many times? They love you. They always respond. No, to they you. don't. They don't always. They <laughs> like. I remember last year when I was like, "Show Malkin's gold. Show Malkin's gold." So they're like, "Here's Jake Gensel." They're like, "Here's Sidney Crosby's." And they're like, "Chris, did you type? Did anyone say Chris Letang? Here's his gold." And I was like, "F Gary Malkin. F Gary Malkin." And they're just like, "Shut up." And then they're like, "Here, finally, here's Malkin's goals. Like, here's here you go." And I was just like, "God, thanks." Uh, <laughs> I felt so bad for them when they would do like those those birthday posts because like in August they were flooded. It's one every day. It's one every day. Flooded. Just flooded with Leos. Like soon as I think it's like Malkin starts and then it's like boom, 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 boom every day. Oh, our little Christy, Leo if you if you were a GM at the combine and like the players were coming in, would you ask them what their zodiac is? <laughs> I <Yes>. would. <laughs> Yeah, oh my gosh, would. they should do Zodiac quizzes. Like, you know, they're like, oh, Mark, Mark who, which you are. And then you can do those in the month that they're birthdays. Yeah, and then be like, how much it yeah. actually matches. Like, yeah. they, they don't care about that They don't care at all, but care. I would like to see yeah. it. Yes. I feel like once, like, someone like Sid got into that, he'd be like, oh, I can't be on the line with these people because they're not competitive. Yes! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that probably don't let don't make Sid do that because <laughs> so that wraps up this week's episode of Where's My Stick. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions or comments, be sure to follow us and reach out to us on Twitter at Where's underscore My underscore Stick, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can't find us there, let us know, and we will make sure to get hooked up. So we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.